2023 season is technically just a hair under four months away, but the schedule is out. We're entering phase two of voluntary workouts uh, over at the Bengals facility, and uh, a lot is happening, and it just feels like forever ago that the schedule came out but here we are a new week a new day a new monday as we reset things um going into the off season as we mentioned phase two workouts looking ahead to otas and where the roster stands we're going to break all that down right here and much more welcome into another edition of the strictly strikes podcast muhammad ahmad glad to be back with you along with mike nislick and andrew gillis uh and andrew i know you were um I have to ask you, just to really open the podcast up. I know I said this for the end, but uh, I know you were in Baltimore uh, the last couple of days. I saw you were at an Orioles game. I'm just curious, is that stadium nice? The Baltimore Orioles Stadium? Camden Yards, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I was in town for a wedding. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I went to their game on Saturday against the Pirates. It is, it's hard for me to say because I haven't been to too many major league parks. Um, I've never been to PNC Park in Pittsburgh, and I know people talk about that a lot. Uh, it's kind of one of the nicer ones. I've never been to Coors Field in Denver. Um, you know, there, there's a couple, you know, there's a couple parks out there that are, you know, relatively, you know, Wrigley, Fenway. I've never been to those places. Um, but Camden is, I, I mean, it's up there with some, like, one of my favorite sporting venues I've ever been to. It's just, it's so nice. It's, it's like got a classic look. It's yeah, Camden. Camden's outstanding. Um, you know, I've talked to people who you know who are from Pittsburgh who think that it's the best stadium in Major League Baseball, which is kind of sacrilege to say, considering <laughs> what uh, what they have in Pittsburgh. But yeah, it's it's an outstanding park. I I, I heavily recommend it. Um, I don't think the Orioles will be playing on November fifteenth or whatever day that the uh, that the Bengals head to Baltimore, but. Uh, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're a Bengals fan, try to make it out to Camden Yards at some point if you're a baseball fan. It's 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 a really nice stadium. You have to cross it off my bucket list. I've only been to Great American Ballpark, obviously, because I grew up close to Cincinnati. Forget the name of the stadium in Atlanta, but the new one, I've been there. I've been at the uh, – not the newest stadium in Arlington, Texas, where the Rangers play, but the one before that. So three – I think that's pretty much it. I – I've been in front of Wrigley, but I have not been inside of it. Mike, you're a you're a Chicagoan. I, I'm just curious. Are you a? I don't think I've ever asked you. Are you a White Sox guy or a Cubs guy? I grew up a White Sox fan. Oh, okay. So did you grow up on the South Side, Chicago? No, I grew up in the suburbs, but just uh, gravitated towards towards them. So is there not like a? Is it not like geographically divided as far as like? Cubs fans are in this section. White Sox fans are in this section because I know Wrigley's more north, right? Towards like the suburbs north of downtown. Wrigleyville is what it's called. Yeah, it's not. It's not about geography. No, it's just about okay. you know lineage and things like that. Who your who your family rooted for usually plays a role. Lineage. Were you at the World Series in '05? I was. I was game one. No way. Oh man, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm yeah, actually that's the jealous. team that everybody like. That's one of those teams where you like look back at sports history and you're like, this team is really, really good, and nobody ever really gives them credit for it. I mean, that oh, team yeah. was a buzzsaw in '05. Holy God! Yeah, yeah, they, I was um, good. yeah. Scott Petsednik was on that team. Aaron Rowan was on that team. Jermaine um, Dye, I think, was the MVP. Yeah, that team. I love. Yeah, I remember watching that team. They were so fun to watch. 
Yeah, man. No, I I vividly remember that. I was really not into baseball until a couple years later, but I do remember hearing about how good they were. But that is crazy because that was the year after the Red Sox ended their curse. I think the White Sox had like an 87, 88-year curse. So weird how in back-to-back years, baseball's one of the two of their longest curses die at that point. Cubs have to wait an extra 10 years, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just um, obviously this is a football podcast, but I saw you were there, Andrew, and I was like, "That is a nice stadium. Good recommendation there." Likewise to you, Mike. That's uh, pretty cool. I really didn't know much about uh, the fact that you were a White Sox fan. I, I thought you were a Cubs fan. I just automatically assume most people are Cubs fans in Chicago, but I guess it's like a NL Central bias. I don't know. But anyhow, uh, jumping into business. Uh, so we talked about. Uh, We've talked a lot about this on the podcast, like the different positional battles, what to expect in training camp. Of course, training camp is still a good two-ish months away, but I think we can kind of look at where the roster is now, um, what positions are the most interesting, where we think there'll be the most movement. And I really want to start under center. No, I'm not talking about Joe Burrow. He's going to be there for a very, very long time. But, of course, Trevor Simeon, uh, the newest guy in town in Cincinnati, the newest addition to the Bengals. We thought Jake Browning was going to be the guy under center. Obviously, they added Trevor Simeon. Um, and I know we kind of did like our sort of defense, offense, better, worse, or the same after the draft. But looking at the quarterback room, what do you think happens here? Do you think Jake Browning has a legitimate chance to compete with Trevor Simeon? Or is Trevor Simeon going to come in and say, hey, young guy, I've been doing this for nine years. I know a thing or two about this. Step aside. But I think it's, you know, in terms of roster competitions, it's probably one of the most open on the on the roster. I think, you know, you can you can look at a couple different spots and say, oh, well, you know, this spot's up for grabs. You know, it's technically anybody's job. You know, and you can say that about, you know, about cornerback where, you know, DJ Turner can come in and, and start over Cam Taylor Britt, you know, whether you think that's likely or unlikely or whatever, like it just kind of feels like, you know, it's it's really hard for some guys to come in. You think of the rookies like Miles Murphy. Um, you know, you think of guys that are coming in. Like it just, it, it's going to be hard for Chase Brown to be running back one in week one. So I don't know. I, I think that um, this is actually a, a genuine competition. This kind of feels like a uh, a situation where where Joe Burrow plays. I mean, Joe Joe. I, I, I mean, good lord, he's probably not going to play much at all in the preseason, if at all. And, uh, you know, I know he's had injuries in the last couple of years, so we'll see. That's going to be an interesting topic. But that feels like a situation where it comes down to how do these two guys do in the preseason and, uh, you know, how do you do in, in, in live game action? And that's, I think, going to decide it. But, yeah, I think it's, I think it's you know, wide open right now. I think I would lean Simeon just as a hunch. Um, I think that you would – you know, probably want to lean more veteran, but if, but if Browning comes in and, and kind of proves that he can play well, you know, you can keep him for longer under contract. You can, you know, he's a younger player, you know, you, you, you would hope the tra- trajectory is still up for him. So I lean Simeon, but I, I think it's wide open. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of the 53 man roster, I think they both, um, I think, um, you know, both are going to be one's going to be on the fifty-three man roster, and that whoever wins the job, and then the other will be on the practice squad. Right. I can't see them going into the season without at least three quarterbacks. Um, you know, I tend to agree that the uh, experience will win out, and then Browning will remain on the practice squad. Um, and you know, kind of they've elevated them for a game. I think each of the last two seasons is that right, or just at least last season? Uh, uh, last season, not the year before. 
So, yeah, um, yeah I, I think both of them are fine in terms of making the roster, uh, you know, with one on the practice squad. Yeah, I mean, that's how it was last year. Brandon Allen won the job. He was on the active roster. Jake Browning was on the practice squad, except when he had to get his two paychecks towards the end of the year where he didn't even really play. So I think that's just going to be the case. Keep one of those guys other on the practice squad. And like Andrew said, it's wide open. I know Simi has done this for a while, but Jake Browning is eager. He wants his try. He wants his chance. So that'll be an interesting battle to watch. Then when you move over behind uh, under center, of course, we know that the competition to replace Samaje P. Ryan is really going to boil down to Chase Brown or Travion Williams. And then I'd imagine whoever doesn't win that battle will be the RB3. But then you also have the RB4 because, you know, the Bengals had four running backs on their active roster last year, Mixon. P. Ryan, Williams, and Chris Evans, but they have another running back, undrafted free agent, Calvin Tyler Jr. I mean, if you think about it, we talked about how vulnerable Chris Evans is. I know that's going to be the least of people's worries as far as like who's going to be that RB4, but I mean, no matter what happens with Brown and Evans, regardless of who wins that job, you know, that'll be a conversation I think for down the road. Like, does Tyler have a shot to really unseat Chris Evans and, and take that RB4 spot as an undrafted free agent rookie? Well, I think it depends kind of on on how he does in, in camp, obviously. I mean, you, you kind of look at his production. He is a smaller guy. Um, you know, he's only five foot eight. He does have a little bit of size to him. You know, he weighs 208 pounds, or at least that's what he's listed at. Um, he was, you know, productive in the last two years of college at uh, Utah State. I just... I don't know. I think that if you're going to go Mixon, I mean, Mixon and Brown are going to make the team. You would assume Travion's going to make the team. And I just don't know, you know, in, when you kind of look at, um, you know, Tyler's receiving stats, you know, he had 26 catches in the last two years combined. That that doesn't exactly scream, uh, you know, versatility. And, and if you're going to have a, a guy who's fourth, it's going to come down to special teams and, and kind of what you can do in the passing attack. This is a passing offense. So, you know, I mean, maybe, the, I mean, this team just drafted two receivers. Maybe you uh, you go an extra receiver and you only go three running backs considering, um, you know, last year they had four. So we'll see kind of how that plays out. I think it's going to come down to special teams. I just don't think that, uh, you know, Tyler's going to be able to give you kind of what Evans does. You know, he gives you some depth at returner if you need it. But, you know, Evans can also get out in space and, you know, I mean, we'll see in, in camp if, if Tyler can, you know, can get out in space and catch the football. Because if he can do that, I think that that's going to go a long way to help him get on this roster and, and kind of make a case. But, you know, in terms of kind of what you can bring, I'm just not sure if uh, I'm just not sure if Tyler has the uh, has the chops for that. Yeah, no, he won't make the roster, but I, I can't see Evans. I mean, I, I think they're going to carry four backs um, on the roster. Um, whether they maybe feel good enough about Chase Brown to move Evans to the practice squad or something, um, I guess. But, I mean, they've always talked about it uh, specifically in terms of you have to have four running backs, um, especially if, you know, Travion's still going to play special teams. Uh, I think you're going to carry four. Um, I'd be really surprised if they didn't. And then I I think that they'll eventually find somebody, whether it's Tyler or somebody else for the practice squad during the season. So if an injury does happen, they won't be sort of caught off guard and not have anybody available to uh, move up. And like Andrew said, um, that's another position, obviously, like Mike mentioned. I think I would assume that they would lean towards Travion Williams being the kick returner last year or this year after last year because he sort of took over 
for Chris Evans uh, at the end of the year and did decently well. Um, but as we move over to wide receiver, now this is kind of where – I don't want to say it's musical chairs, but there's different ways to go about it, mostly because you have the addition of Charlie Jones and Andre Yoshivas, along with the fact that it depends on how many receivers they carry on the active roster. I think last year they had four during the season, and then they had seven in the past before last year. So it just kind of depends on the makeup of the roster. But obviously we know Jamar Chase is wide receiver one, T. Higgins wide receiver two, Tyler Boyd wide receiver three. The question is, who will be the lead backup? So in this case, the wide receiver four. It was Trenton Irwin last year. They elevated him to that, which he earned it after coming off the practice squad when they waived Mike Thomas. Um, And, you know, he stepped in for Jamar Chase as the – lead back up and did what he had to do, earned the role on the team even after Chase came back. But again, you mentioned Yoshivas, you mentioned Charlie Jones. Like, do you see a position where either, like, how do you think it'll go? Do you think they put Charlie Jones as a backup slot behind Boyd and keep Irwin the wide receiver four? Or do you think there's a chance that Jones can completely beat out Irwin and be like the lead, lead backup, backup if anybody goes down? Well, it's I'm not sure tricky. if it's I'm not sure if it's looked at that way. Um, you know, he could Charlie Jones could be both, and then they could reshuffle it. You know, if um, Boyd goes down, Jones Jones come in for him, and then Irwin's in the game at the fourth spot. You know, at the, if they do four receiver sets, you know, I, I just look at it in terms of the 53 man roster. Um, you know, I I think Morgan and Taylor are going to be battling for that last roster spot um, at wide receiver. Uh, ahead of the guys, you know, behind the guys that got drafted, you know, that they're going to try to uh, give a little rope to, um, you know, Andre is a, is a project. Um, and I think he'll get, they'll give him time to see what they have. But in terms of the, the 53 man roster, I mean, we know who the starters are. Um, I think Irwin's probably safe, but in terms of Morgan and Trent Taylor, that they're probably looking at, um, you know, one of those probably is gone. Maybe one's on the practice squad. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, when you look at receiver, you I mean, you've obviously got the big three. Then Charlie Jones is four. Uh, Yoshivas is five, you know, presuming that you're going to keep your rookies. You're you're not going to carry seven. So, the, I mean, it, the the back half of receiver depth chart, and obviously injuries can, you know, can play a part in this too. Um, you know, that kind of goes without being said. But, you know, for that, you know, assuming those are your, your five, you know, assuming you're going to keep those guys, you got Irwin, you got Taylor, you got Morgan, you got Lassiter. Like that last yep. spot, I think is going to kind of come down to to what they're looking for. Um, you know, Stanley Morgan has played special teams too. You know, are you comfortable carrying you know two guys who pretty much only can play in the slot? Um, you know, Charlie Jones and and Irwin and Taylor. You know, those guys are not gonna you know or they're not your prototypical lineup on the outside. Um, you know, be your, your, uh, your outside receivers. They're not going to be the slot guys. So I just think that it, it depends on, you know, how guys perform in camp. You know, if you like what you see from Yoshivas, maybe you're a little more inclined to, to keep Irwin or Taylor, but yeah, I think that that sixth spot is going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty highly contested here in camp. Yeah. And obviously with Taylor too, the other competition he has to worry about, and this goes hand in hand with, I mentioned with Charlie Jones, I mean, it's going to really come down to those two for the punt returner job. So you could see a situation where Taylor maybe gets beat out for a wide receiver spot. And 
if Jones really looks good in training camp, he can beat him out for the punt returner job. So there's two avenues for Taylor, but I'd imagine if he doesn't get one, he might not get the other. So at that point, he might be practice squad compared to last year. So yeah, it's really going to come down to that very, very last spot. I think everyone else is pretty much safe and sound pending any crazy competitions in training camp. Uh, Tight end, obviously, that's a little bit more settled as well. We know it's really going to be Irv Smith Jr. and Drew Sample as your two lead tight ends. The question is, um, and although there's a chance the Bengals could add somebody uh, at the end of August, at the end of the preseason, right now you got Devin Asiasi. And technically, for the practice squad, you have Tanner Hudson and Nick Bowers. I'd imagine Hudson is a little bit ahead of Bowers in terms of experience and depth. But I mean, does Asiati keep that number three spot like he had last year? Or do you think they really might give Hudson a chance to compete with Asiasi for that third role? I mean, you're going to give everybody a chance to compete for that, you know, for, for a bunch of different roles. I just think that, you know, Asiasi, he, he was with the team last year. Uh, obviously, Bowers was too. But, you know, Asiasi was with the team. Um, you know, they, you know, for, for what he did, they seemed content with kind of his role as that third or third tight end. Uh, the third tight end in this in this offense is a bit unique because I mean when you're when you're running almost exclusively three wide receiver sets sometimes four wide receiver sets you, you're just not gonna get to uh, your third tight end a lot you know unless something has gone terribly wrong so uh, you know I, I think that like you said you know this probably strikes me as a position of let's see where we're at on September one and see kind of what cuts are and and how guys. Uh, how the rest of rosters are shaken out around the league like you did with Asiasi last year. But I, I, I would lean Asiasi for now just because I think that, um, you know, you'd rather that institutional knowledge and, and, and keep some familiarity there. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. It's your safest bet. And like you said, everyone's getting a chance to compete, but it's a matter of how well can those guys compete? Like how well can a Tanner Hudson or, like I said, even a Nick Bowers compete with Devin Asiasi? We'll see in training camp, but I think that's really what it's going to boil down to. Um, with left tackle, so obviously Orlando Brown Jr. is a new guy after you know they shifted Jonah Williams to the right side. I mean, there's really not much to question other than who backs him up. Is it Deontay Smith? Is it Jackson Carmen? Obviously, Carmen's competing on the right side, so they're going to maybe focus on putting him there. But he also played left tackle last year, you know, in the playoffs when Jonah Williams went down, so he can play left tackle. I'd imagine they'd probably at least – I mean, I think Smith and Carmen obviously both both make the team, but maybe you have Smith as a left-side backup. You keep Carmen on the right. I guess how do you kind of shuffle those two in-depth roles? Well, I think it's less uh, you know, positional-specific and more just like number of offensive linemen. I think probably Deontay Smith would be the sort of odd man out in terms of like practice squad player. Um Right. Because Jackson Carmen's got some flexibility to go inside. Cody Ford has played multiple positions. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I feel like, uh, you know, he was behind Hakeem Adeniji all last season. Uh, Hakeem's probably going to have to fight as well, especially if right. they keep Liel Collins. Um, so I, I would say, you know, Adeniji and Smith are probably, um, 
at risk just because they don't have position flexibility. Um, and if they keep Collins, they're probably not going to need all those tackles. Um, you know, whether they keep all those guys on the practice squad or not, I'm not sure. You know, Jackson Kirkland could have a say in that, depending on how well uh, the, the Washington offensive lineman that they signed, uh, who also has sort of, um, you know, positional flexibility, um, could play inside, has played outside in college. Um, you know, do they want a younger guy to see, you know, is his upside higher than a Hakeem Adeniji who you've had uh, for quite a you know bit and hasn't really shown much improvement? Um, so I, I think that's where you look at in terms of the 53-man roster, you're looking at sort of, you know, overall numbers and not sort of position specific. Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you got Brown, Volson, Karras, Kappa, Williams, those five. I mean, those guys are going to make the team. Um, then you would assume Lael Collins makes the team at this point. There's six. Uh, and then you've got, then you've got some interesting conversations to have, um, you know, kind of like Mike said, uh, you know, I think at tackle, you're probably, you know, if you're only a tackle, you're probably the odd man out. I think you kind of look to Deontay Smith in that gar- in that regard. Um, yeah. You know, just because you've got Orlando Brown, you've got Jonah Williams, you've got Leo Collins. I mean, those three, assuming those are your top three tackles, Jackson Carmen's in there too. Like if anything happens to Orlando Brown, you know, there's Jackson Carmen at left tackle, or maybe you feel more comfortable with Jonah going back to left tackle um, but you, you can't just carry those guys, uh, you know, you can't just have depth at tackle. So, um, you know, if if those five are your starters and then Lael and Jackson are your reserves, I mean, you need some depth on the inside. I think, you know, Mike was right. Jackson Kirkland is going to have a shot. Uh, you know, Trey Hill was their backup center last year. I think, you know, people are, uh, you know, People might not be aware just because he kind of fell off the face of the earth after he got hurt. But uh, uh, Ben Brown, he was a, a depth center for them last year. At least he's listed as a center. You know, he's a guy who who can come in. He was signed as an undrafted free agent at this time a year ago. I, I just think that you know there's there's going to be a battle there. You need somebody to back up. Uh, you need somebody to back up Karras. So it's going to be a number crunch. I mean, Sharping's probably got a good shot just considering he can play inside. Um, a can play inside Ford can play inside, but there's going to be a couple notable names that are, uh, you know, that are, that are on the waiver wire at the, uh, at roster cutdown day on the offensive line. Yeah. I think obviously from most vulnerable to least vulnerable, I mean, Deontay Smith is really the most vulnerable because he's strictly a tackle. He never really played inside. He's kind of a failed project. I think they expected more out of him when they drafted him two years ago hasn't really met those expectations unless he proves himself in camp. This might be his last chance. Um, and then of course, Adenogy has a better chance because he has played inside. He started in the playoffs last year and the year before, but we saw how things went obviously uh, in that final stretch of the playoffs against guys like Chris Jones among others. So he's going to have to fight for that. And yeah, Jackson Kirkland makes things very interesting because obviously he's six, seven, he's played tackle, but I think he primarily played inside, like Mike said, so he has a chance to compete to have a depth throw on the inside. But obviously, like, you know, I think for the most part, guys like Ted, I mean, Ted Karras for sure is good, but like Trey, the Trey Hills and the Max Sharpings and those names, I think those guys are, they're pretty sad. I think those, those guys would be good as long as they do their job in training camp. And I guess really, and you could say whoever doesn't win out that right tackle job, which is really bloated, like we said, I'd imagine that would be your swing tackle. So say Jonah Williams is your right tackle. 
then maybe you make Lyle Collins your swing tackle. I think that would make sense, right? Just kind of have him the, the lead backup right tackle as your swing tackle, because that's kind of what they did last year with Adenogy since he was the lead backup right tackle. Right, and, and it just depends on, I mean, does, um, you know, does, does Lyle Collins have to go on the pup list? Um, you know, is he is he going to be able to to perform? And, and, and that can obviously change the math here, too. I mean, when do you expect him back? When do you expect him to be full strength? I know, you know, when we talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he kind of seemed, you know, pretty optimistic. He seemed um, you know, he, he, he seemed very uh, he seemed in good spirits, I should say, about kind of his his, his progress and kind of where he was at. He talked about doing pass sets. And I mean, this was a couple of weeks ago, so. I, I don't know. Is, is he able to come back? Um, if he's not, then y- you certainly need, um, you know, another tackle or maybe you can add an identity there because he can play tackle and guard. There's there's a lot of of, of moving of um, moving of parts here and, and a lot of variables. So I think it's uh, you know, there, there's a couple different factors at play here, too. Yeah, I think that really, and that's the thing, we're not truly going to know who is going to be on that 53-man roster for at least another three and a half months, but the focus is kind of who's the most vulnerable and where do you see the most movement, and I think that kind of sums it up there on the offensive line, because again, much like last year, a lot of battles, if not more battles in training camp this year. When we come back, we're going to obviously flip things on the defensive side of the ball, look at the biggest uh, uh, positional battles, which will primarily be in the defensive backfield, what that means, what that could look like, and much more. But before we do that, I want to remind you guys to sign up for our Cincinnati Football Insider subtext service I meant to mention earlier. Um, it's $4.99 a month, but it's a free trial to start. It's a two-week free trial to start. You can cancel any time. You might not like me. You might not like Mike. You might not like Andrew. I, I think you'll like us. I'd like to think we're very fun, likable people. But if you don't like us, you can text stop anytime. We text you, the listener, the reader, however you want to describe yourself, everything and anything you need to know about the Bengals before Twitter, before the internet, before the podcast even knows about it because that's what you get for being a special member of Cincinnati Football Insider. And guys, I mean, I'm saying it's special, but to you guys, why is it important for people to know how special Cincinnati Football Insider is? Either of you guys, Mike, Andrew, you know, what is so enthusiastic to you guys about this, this subtext service we have? Well, I think, you know, now you can you can kind of cut the line of, of Twitter. You, you don't have to worry about kind of scrolling through a bunch of different feeds. You get it sent right to your phone. Um, you know, the news that you would want, you know, we're, we're kind of reaching that time of year where, you know, news is going to start to happen quicker and quicker. Um, you know, we do have a little bit of a lull here, but, uh, you know, as we, as we start to slowly ramp up for training camp, um, you know, you're going to get to hear news about Burroughs extension. You're going to get to hear roster moves. You're going to get to hear all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, OTAs are coming up and, um, you know, I just think it's, it's, it's probably your most effective way to, to hear about the Bengals and hear about the team you like. And analysis too, uh, you know, based on what we see from, you know, when they open up training camp and things like that. Practice will be there and and, and give you the kind of the the front front row view uh, of what's going on. Doesn't get better than that. Again, go to cleveland.com/bengals to sign up. We'll be right back on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we uh, looked at the offensive side of the depth chart, did a little reset as far as what that would look like for a 53-man cut down heading into training camp and beyond. We're going to do the same with the defense, and I think it's going to be a lot lighter. Um, and it's really mostly going to be in the defensive backfield, which is where I want to start. Um, we talked about it a little bit. want to sort of elaborate on this some more. 
really, I think the question is what happens at safety, of course, both free safety and strong safety. Uh, we know who's replacing Jesse Vates and Bon Bell. We just don't quite exactly certainly know how they're going to be replaced. I'd imagine free safety is all Dax Hill. I think they groomed him for a year, playing a depth role, mostly in the slot. I think you put him in that slot uh, position as, as a free safety. And then behind him in whatever order, you have Mike Thomas and Tyson Anderson. Now, the real question that I think is worth talking about is that strong safety. I think there is a little bit of a battle to be had for Nick Scott. I don't know that he is guaranteed that job, but I'd imagine he's a front runner as far as a battle goes. And literally and figuratively, he'll be battling with Jordan Battle. So, I mean, I guess the first question is how much of a contest, I'm not going to say battle because that'd be cliche at that point. How much of a contest is there going to be between Nick Scott and Jordan Battle for the right to be the starting strong safety? Well, I think that that's kind of one of those um, that's kind of one of those positions. I mentioned quarterback that you know that the quarterback feels truly wide open. I, I don't think safety is truly wide open. That that feels like Nick Scott's job to lose. Um, you know, it, it, I, Jordan Battle would have to come in and be really, really good, or Nick Scott would kind of have to not be everything that they thought he would be. So, um, you know, I think that um, you know we, those three obviously you're going to make the team: Dax Hill, Nick Scott, Jordan Battle. Uh, and then that fourth spot is probably going to come down to Michael Thomas and Tyson Anderson, if I had to guess. Um, you know, just it, it depends on on what you like there. I mean, are you OK with, you know, do you want some veteran leadership back there with with Michael Thomas, you know, special teams captain guy who's well respected in the locker room? Do you want that, you know, to kind of hold over a, a safety who was drafted but didn't draft in the first round, but didn't really play a lot last year? A guy who's coming in new. Uh, from another team, a rookie, like, are, are you okay with, with putting Tyson Anderson back there with, with that kind of level of youth? Or, you know, do you want kind of more of a veteran voice or maybe you want to carry five safeties? I don't know. It Maybe, maybe that's how it shakes out with special teams. So uh, I, I think that the battle truly, um, you know, is going to be between Thomas and Anderson. But uh, I, I think Nick Scott kind of has the, uh, the inside track here pretty significantly to a, to a week one start. That doesn't, that doesn't mean it's going to happen all year long, but I think week one, Nick Scott has uh, has a really good chance to be the starter. Yeah, I agree. I don't see them going with a full rookie uh, safety core. I just think that'd be really uh, a lot of pressure for them, um, you know, basically never having played a snap, you know, uh, especially, you know, with Dexel, you know, playing out of position most of last year. I just think that'd be um, a really uphill battle. Like you said, I can see. Jordan Battle taking more snaps or, or taking snaps away from Nick Scott later in the season. Um, that's not to say that he won't be prepared day one or, um, you know, have a good feel for it. I just think it's going to be hard. Uh, you know, a lot to ask just given that there's almost a rookie on the other side, essentially. And I think you can use Jordan Battle in certain packages. Like I know we kind of talked about what do you do with Trey Flowers, his role now that he's gone. Maybe you bring him in in those situations. You know, maybe you have some packages where you go cover six and you need an extra safety. I mean, he'll still have a role on this defense, but I think, like you guys said, it'd be too much to ask of him to be part of a starting role. So that would make the most sense to me. Um, so I think that really just kind of shakes out the uh, safety room. Uh, cornerback room is pretty much set, really pending, uh, you know, the status of Chidobe Awuzie, uh and if he's able to start in week one. Maybe that's the case. Maybe not. We'll get a better idea with, you know, workouts and training camp with where his health is at. I guess the question is, if he's not ready, 
for week one. Do you see a situation where DJ Turner starts in his place? Or do you kind of move him in a backup nickel role and maybe expect Sidney Jones to kind of step up with Cam Taylor Britt? Like, how do you maybe look at that in a situation where Chidobe's not ready? You'd probably yeah, move. Yeah, I mean, I, you'd go probably ahead, go with the veteran. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Cheeto seems like a player that, um, you know, wouldn't sort of lie about his, his status. He seems very optimistic about it. Uh, you know, he's not putting a date in, in terms of, like, uh, fall camp. You know, his focus is on, on that week one spot. Um, you know, whether he's athletically, you know, 100, 100%, we don't know, but we won't know. But I, I think he'll be in a good shape uh, to be able to start week one just based on how so far, you know, his he's had no sort of hiccups in his um, uh, rehab and, you know, is in a, in a good spot, I think, right now. Yeah, I think that's the idealistic. Well, I mean, realistically, like you said, I, I think based on what he said, it makes sense. That's a realistic path forward. But even then, do you see just Sidney Jones kind of being the lead backup? And then maybe they use DJ Turner the same way they used Dax Hill last year as kind of that backup additional corner, uh, inside corner. Like, how do you guys kind of see his role shaping out? Well, no, I, I mean, I think that's why you, you have Jalen Davis. Um, you know, Mike Hilton is going to be your uh, your nickel corner. He's going to be the guy that plays in the slot. Um, you know, he's obviously really, really talented at a lot of different things from that spot. And then you have Jalen Davis right behind him. Um, you know, and if you keep six corners, that leaves room for Cheeto, Cam Taylor-Britt, DJ Turner, and Sidney Jones. Um, and maybe DJ Ivy's a practice squad guy. Uh, you still have Alan George there. Uh, yep. it's just, you know, you, you can't carry seven, eight corners on a roster, um, you know, unless you feel really, really good about your, uh, your depth elsewhere. And, um, yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you know, Turner is going to kind of play that, uh, that fourth corner role. You know, I think you would lean veteran with, with Sidney Jones, like Mike said, and then, uh, you know, maybe as, as he progresses, I mean, uh, Lou Anarumo talked about this. They don't, re- he doesn't really like to, to rotate his corners. He likes them being on the field all the time. Um, yeah. so th- this kind of feels like a little bit of deve- of a development year for DJ Turner until it's not, you know, we saw that with Cam Taylor Britt where, uh, you know, they were starting to work him in. I think they put him in when that Falcons game was like 21, nothing or 28, nothing or whatever score that was. Um, so, you know, that y- you can start to do that with DJ Turner, but, I think from the start, you have to lean Sidney Jones is there. But, uh, you know, the cornerback room, like you said, feels pretty set. Yeah, I think you spoke on the depth there. That really shakes it out. Um, Really, linebacker's pretty much set. Like, you still have Jermaine Pratt for a couple more years. You got Logan Wilson uh, playing the weak side, Jermaine Pratt in the middle. And then uh, in the Sam, if you have certain formations at Sam linebacker, you have Keem Davis-Gaither and Marcus Bailey. The question is, so you you still have Joe Bocci as well, who I'd imagine will be the main guy behind Logan Wilson. Well, technically, Davis Gaither and Bailey would be behind Wilson or Pratt, but behind them, you have Joe Bocci. He's back for another year. Really good special teams piece, which I think is a big reason why they added him. You still need at least one more backup spot, though, because you don't have Clay Johnston. Um, I, that door's pretty much closed on him. It doesn't seem like he's coming back. So it really comes down to either Jalen Moody or Shaka Hayward, uh, two undrafted free agents who uh, joined the Bengals recently after the draft. I mean, between those two, I know we haven't really seen much from either of them, but I mean, do you lean one way or the other with one guy to be that additional backup linebacker? Say it again. 
I'm saying with uh, Shaka Hayward and Jalen Moody, like one of those two guys I'd imagine will make the team to fill Clay Johnson's spot because Johnson's not there. Like, do you lean one way or the other with one of those guys, or do you just kind of have to wait and see until training camp? Well, I like Hayward. I think he'd be a good special teams addition. Um, but obviously it'll be a competition, but, uh, you know, I, I could see him, you know, carrying him on the, the practice squad. Um, uh, you know, they, they have pretty decent depth and they, you know, they're going to have a bunch of special teams players now, uh, with all the guys that they drafted in the secondary too. Um, so they don't necessarily need, um, you know, an extra linebacker, but, uh, you know, Shaka Hayward would probably get the, I, I think have the inside track. Yeah, I know. I think we, I think you and I talked about him a little bit, or I think you asked Zach Taylor about him uh, the other day, and so I think he has a lot of upside to him, just kind of from what I've seen, just uh, with what little I've seen, obviously, because he's an undrafted free agent. But yeah, I mean, if he really shows out in you know practice and training camp, then yeah, I think he could be sort of your Clay Johnston and you know take that spot. Obviously, you still have Keandre Jones as well. He was practice squad last year. He'll compete with him as well. But who knows if it's not Keandre Jones, it could be Shaka Hayward if not either of them, Jalen Moody. But to just sort of uh, wrap up here up front, really not much to look at here other than really two things. Uh, the first thing is um, with Miles Murphy, uh, he's going to be a backup behind Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson. We know that. How he's used, specific third downs, we don't know for certain. It seems to be that's kind of what they implied with how they'll use him. I guess the the other question is, we talked a little bit about this, sort of with our winners and losers on the defense after the draft, but I guess the question is, is there a situation where you keep Cam Sample and Joseph Osai and Jeff Gunter and Terrell Basham? Because that's a lot of defensive ends to keep. I'd imagine one of them has to go to the practice squad. Gunter being, I'd say Gunter's the most vulnerable out of those guys. How do you sort of seeing it shaking out on both sides of the defensive uh, defensive line with Ed Rusher? Yeah, I mean, well, it, it if you, if you're talking specifically edge rusher, I mean, you got Hubbard, Murphy, Hendrickson, and Osai. There, there's four. Um, when you when you add in Reader and Hill, there's six. You know, you're you're probably going to carry. I mean, for a team that runs, you know, four down linemen, you're probably going to carry eight, nine. Um, you know, so you, you're only talking there. There's two or three spots available. I mean, you need a backup for for DJ Reader and BJ Hill. So. You know, there's Tupo, there's Tufele, there's Carter. Like, do you, you probably take two of those guys and then maybe you take a third defensive end or, you know, maybe you're okay with, with having, um, you know, kind of two across the board, two deep across the board. You have a backup uh, defensive end, backup defensive tackle at every spot. And, um, well, I mean, that would, that would spell bad news for a guy like Terrell Basham. Um, you know, that would spell bad news for Cam Sample. There, there's options there, but, you know, if, uh, if you want to take that third defensive end spot, like let's say you go Hubbard, Reader, Hill, Hendrickson as your starters, Murphy, Osai, Tupo, Carter as eight. I mean, it's, it's going to come down to, do you want another end or do you want another interior player? I think you would probably lean end in that, in that case, just because, you know, we've seen on third downs, Hendrickson on, and Hubbard have, you know, played in three techs and things like that, you know, they've kind of shifted inside and you can bring another guy off the, off the bench, you know, that, that kind of screams miles Murphy to me. Um, so, I mean, it's going to come down to cam sample, Jeff Gunter, Terrell Basham. So it's uh that's going to be another interesting battle too. And um, you know, I think special teams might have a part in that, you know, if any one of those guys can play special teams, then uh, you know, then they'll probably have a little bit of a better shot. But again, it's um it's a numbers game with a lot of these guys and uh it it's not going to be an easy decision. 
Yeah, I, I agree that they will all make it. Uh, there'll, there'll be some cuts. Um, do you know, you go with the guy. I mean, and all those guys got some years on them. Um, what, is Gunter the newer, newest one um, in terms of age? He was uh, last year, seventh round pick, yeah. Yeah, so Gunter maybe gets an edge that way. Uh, you know, I, I'd have a, I'd have a hard time seeing them all make the uh, 53-man roster. Yeah, I, I think, and obviously, like you said, Gunter would be the most vulnerable. I think Basham has a chance just because he's a veteran and he's played for so many teams. And, I mean, you would know the answer to this, Andrew. This is his seventh season, right? Or is it his eighth season? Um, Seventh? Hmm. 2017. He got drafted in. He got drafted in uh, 17. So that. So it would be his seventh season. Yeah. No, this would be. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Yeah, yeah we can do basic math. Season. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it would be a seventh season. So yeah, there you, you have that. And of course, yeah, with Jay Tefeli, I mean, he was in the practice squad a bunch last year. I know he played a little bit more because he played alongside Zach Carter when. Uh, DJ Reader got hurt, and they had to give BJ Hill a few breaks on some sets. But, yeah, I think you can always move him. You still have Dominique Davis on the practice squad as well. I think he only played one game last year, so that's a guy that's pretty much set for the practice squad. Um, But, yeah, that, I think, is going to be the most interesting battle on defensive line is out of those three, who gets that sort of final spot? And how does that sort of, you know, shape things out? We'll have to see. It's a numbers game. It could affect uh, the interior as well. I mean, punter... It's pretty much sad. I'd imagine it's Brad Robbins' job to lose, like we said. Evan McPherson's not going anywhere. Cal Adamitis is not going anywhere. And like I said, with punt returner, it could come down to Trent Taylor. It could come down to um, Charlie Jones, Eileen Jones, because I don't think they sounded very confident in Trent Taylor at the combine when they talked about his performance. And I think Jones is younger with a lot of juice. So I think it's his to lose, but Taylor still has a shot at the same time. And that pretty much recaps that. Stay with us Tuesday. We're going to hear from the myth, the man. Well, he's not really a myth. He's a human being like us. He's a mortal. The man, Joe Burrow, is going to speak for the first time uh, since the Bengals lost in the AFC Championship game. So almost three and a half, four months since we last heard from Joey B himself. Of course, uh, a lot to catch up on with him and what he has to say. And uh, more questions, um, not necessarily resetting the roster, but questions about other positions um, across the board that will break down this week. Plus, we'll have some special guest interviews, like I mentioned last week. Promise those will be good. We'll even have one of those tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Enjoy your Monday.